Why was a war you should hero. make this like green. You should just talk through this. <laughs> <laughs> is this recording? Okay. Yeah, it's yes. recording. Right now. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, the sound of red light. Okay. It's recording. Okay. Is yeah. this thing on? <laughs> You're now listening to the Lion Ice Podcast. I am your host, Arturo Leon, and this is the Lion Eyes Podcast. Welcome to our very first, very special edition. The podcast you are listening to was recorded the night of the first GOP debate, hosted by Facebook and Fox News. This is our very first, in a very special series we are calling, The Long Road to Nowhere. The discussion heard here is poorly moderated by myself, and includes the co-host of Bonding Over Bond, Scott, our first Twitter follower, at Derek Palm, and friends of the podcast, Abraham and Mickey. This podcast does contain crude language and is rated M for mature audiences. This podcast was made possible by a generous donation from our sponsors, Obie's Woodmill. After the following ad, the remainder of the podcast will be presented without any interruptions. Thank you for listening, and enjoy. Obie's Woodmill. If you can use it, we can make it. Specializing in everyday needs such as bars, stools, workbenches, tables with the mass of a baby elephant, and of course, benches to shit on. Our handmade products are done with only the finest American lumber, and we keep jobs here in the good old USA by making everything here in America by real Americans with minimal immigrant labor. Our products are guaranteed for life, or until you move. We also make lamps. And if you're funny or a pretty woman, we may also have hand rolled cigars and unique flavored beer. We're located in a basement somewhere. Just ask around. Our name recognition speaks for itself. That's Obis Woodmill. Wood you can trust. <laughs> Back to the podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Leon. Welcome to our digital version of AM Talk Radio, the podcast. Today is August 6, 2015, and we're doing a roundtable discussion following a viewing of the first 2015 Republican primary debate on Fox News and co-sponsored by Facebook. Today's podcast guarantee, something we say here will in fact piss you off. Okay, before we start, some programming notes. We hope you've listened to and enjoyed parts one and two of our Cuban podcast series. You can, of course, find parts one and two, plus all our other Lionized Podcasts and iTunes Podcasts or lionizedpodcast.blogspot.com. We here at the Lionized Podcast want to apologize for the delay in releasing part three, 
along with a slow production of any new podcast. There was a holdup in our first spin-off series, Bonding Over Bond, which took off a lot of our time, but we are proud to announce that it is officially available on iTunes right now. Pause this, go download that, and then get back here. It's probably better. Hopefully it won't be. Do it. I'm joined today by the co-host of that series, Scott Obermiller, along with a Motley crew of bandits. So, hello everybody. Hello. Hi. Hey. We have with us, obviously, myself, Scott, um, from, Ed, Ed the, Derek Baum. from the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> You are uh... <laughs> um, obviously not going by his pseudonym Buckley, but uh, Derek Palm himself. You can follow him at Twitter at Derek Palm. Uh, we have with us from the original story in Genesis Abraham, who <laughs> traveled with uh, God himself and spoke about murdering his own son, but Good then idea. didn't because God loved him. Right? Is that the story, the, Abraham? The, the name is Abe Yabraham. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, with us, the one and only trainer for Rocky Balboa himself, Mick. Mick, it's uh, good to see you here. Welcome. Thank you. All right, Mick. Okay, it was a tragic death. Mr. T just punched you in the face and you fucking died a few minutes later in the movie. But uh, here you are with us talking about politics. Yeah. And you, you look great, I gotta <laughs> yeah, say. That's... Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, the first question we have to ask is, uh, who here on this roundtable did anybody happen to watch the first debate that was at 5 o'clock on Fox News. Anybody? No. Uh, we would say, as Megyn Kelly did, uh, this is going to be our only show of hands questions, so everybody listening <laughs> on iTunes can see the show of hands. I saw a very small part, but I was mostly falling asleep. So That's uh, usually what people do. You were still at work at 5 o'clock. So was I. Falling asleep. But it went from 5 to 6. I saw the second part of it. All right. So as I guess the only person then that did see the 5 o'clock series. I will say very quickly, Carly Fiorina, I thought, very much won that uh, debate. She was probably the last one out of the top ten, and I think the debate, her performance at 5 p.m. is going to push her into being the first one into being in the next top ten, and then we'll discuss later who we think might be uh, someone who will fall out. I'll also say that Senator Lindsey Graham our wonderful senator from South Carolina, who is a living version of, uh, what's the... Frank uh, Underwood. <laughs> Frank, a very nice version of Frank Underwood. And by that we mean a senator from South Carolina who may or may not be bisexual. Um, but during the debate, what we got to see from Lindsey Graham was someone who, he reminded me a lot of a fifth grader who was debating in front of his class for the first time. He was very nervous, his voice fluctuated in and out, and he also kept rocking back and forth in his chair. He didn't have any expression on his face, and he was uh, pretty monotone. So I think he's going to he's gonna be hurt the most out of these seven candidates. Wait, are you talking about me right now? Not yet, no. <laughs> uh, that'll be the review of this podcast later on when we go back. That'll be uh, those two talking about us. But Right. Yeah, right. so the one actual, I think it was only one replay they showed from the first uh, debate, right? They showed one clip from the first debate. They did in the second Unless one. I missed one. Yeah, they showed one. Uh, there were basically two candidates involved, and those two candidates, I feel like, got a really big leg up, which were the two you just mentioned. And I feel like um, they did a, they must have done a very good job. Um, unfortunately, they didn't show more than maybe 10 seconds of what they actually said, but that's a really big props from Fox. 
right to reshow that clip. Yeah, I mean, obviously they did something right. Right. So, I I feel like they showed more of those two candidates than maybe 30% of the people that were actually on stage for the two and a half hour debate, right? Right, right. Uh, So that's very important uh, going through. So I guess then the next big question is, initially, what were your thoughts about the the debate? Uh, the, The big question is, who do you think won and who do you think lost? Let's go around the table. Uh, we'll start with Scott, and then we'll go around. I like to think I'm a center liberal, if that's such a thing. I think a lot of us are common sense people here. Let's, let's, I don't know about Mick. Let's Mick go, is a little less. Let's, let's go to debate. Let's go to debate rules. Unlike some of the commentators on on Fox News, the question was who do you think won and who do you think lost. We're not going to take any. We're not going to let you go to your talking points. Yep. We're not going to let you go to your prescript. Very simple. It's uh, four words. The first and last name of who do you think won, the first and last name of who do you think lost. Really quickly, Scott. I really started to like John Kasich. Those are like eight words. You're, <laughs> you're just not listening. I started typical Donald Trump bullshit it right is. here. I actually like Donald Trump through a lot of it, even though he's an asshat. But I like John Kasich. Okay, uh, right. Who do you think was hurt most in that performance? Scott Walker. He should be off the stage. Right. He doesn't even deserve to be there anymore. Okay. Ben Carson, also questionable. This is like 47 more words yep. than you were allowed. Yep, yep. Uh, going to uh, formerly known as Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> Currently known as Derek. Who no, do you... How many you words? Uh, four. Four, or if you follow the Scott model, uh, about 56. Wait for the ding. So, uh, for the win? For the win. Donald Trump. And for the loss? Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great great point. point. We'll hit on that that more. Both the winner and the loser. That's not a joke. At Donald. I like that. That's that's 80 times more serious than anything Scott just said in his 87 words. (laughs) And now to to Abe. Yeah, no matter how much I, I don't like this guy, I actually think that Bush... Was able to maintain his current status from where he went into it, from is the that, way he left. Is that George H. W. Bush? Is that George W. Bush? <laughs> I'm is just that, talking about the overall Bush in general. The overall Bush family. I like Bush. <laughs> no, I'm just John talking about all Elias. the Bushes that were on the uh, stage there. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about Jeb Jeb Bush. I, I don't I don't like uh, John dynastic politics. John Elias Bush. John Elias Bush. Yep. Uh, he does speak Spanish, so you got to give him some we props for that hear one. That today. We didn't drink we did. for that. That's right. Unfortunately, we didn't get to have a beer yep. based upon his Spanish uh, capability. But which is something to be happy about that he didn't just drag it out for no no real reason. There was no real reason to speak Spanish in that debate. Um, mm-hmm. They really didn't. There wasn't ever a point where Spanish would naturally come up that was seen forced. So I'll, I don't want to, by any means, feel like uh, or have people think that I'm, I'm in support of Bush, but I do think that he probably did all right. Uh, in compare, in contrast, I probably would say that uh, Rand Paul actually did the worst. Uh, he usually is able to, at least in the media, come out with some things that make some general sense in defiance of the overall Republican Party. But um, he kind of looked like a little child, especially with his his curly hair or his permed hair, as as uh, Bucky would say. Would you agree that Trump made him look like a little child at times? Um, he, so, some snide remarks that, yeah. that probably would uh, that stood out um, would make him seem that way. All right, now moving to Mick. What do you have to say about this matter? Uh, I think Marco Rubio won uh, because he overcame his dehydration problem. <laughs> <laughs> he reached for water zero times that entire... 
that he's, entire debate. He's very well hydrated these days. Yep. That's a really big improvement. Um, I think Ben Carson, at least at the end there, you know, his closing statement was basically reiterating his surgical highs and in no way, shape, or form shows any remote qualification for being a politician, let alone the president. What if you view the United States as the neurological system of a human body? I think Maybe it has he... Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> to answer that question myself, I would... I really like what Derek had to say about Donald Trump winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my initial response uh, going into that, I would say it was Jeb Bush was the winner. Oh yeah, um, and saying no, that Jeb I think Bush. So but but saying that but Jeb so- Bush had to seem he was so moderate. he had to seem like the adult in the room, and I think he came away doing that. And I would say that Donald Trump was the loser. No, he, but uh, Trump's well, expectations were to blow himself out of the water and. And uh, uh, Jeb Bush's expectations were to seem like the adult, but Trump didn't make himself seem like an ass after the first statement or so. No more than he normally does. No more than he normally does, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think he lost any voters. At the end, he seemed like a normal candidate. Yeah. I don't think he lost any voters, but what he solidified is that he's not going to get any support from the RNC. He's not going to get any support from any of the other super PACs. Oh, yeah. He's not going to get the Koch brothers helping him out. So essentially, the Republican establishment doesn't want him to run as a Republican. But he lost that on the first question. Yeah. You know what happened to the first question? The first question was Fox News going, which candidate is not one of our candidates. And he went, Wait, he was the only person, he, I watched him look around and go, nobody else? Nobody? All right, I'll do it. But then and he how put his hand of, up. How much of that is Donald Trump as a... Arrogant? As, no, as someone who is familiar with television and looked around and said, who's going to get press on this tomorrow? Let know. me raise my hand. No, that's, that's exactly me, it, though. Let me be the puppet But Fox, Fox News knew exactly what they were doing, and they were trying to blatantly... Explain to their their television audience why Donald Trump should not be the candidate for the Republican Party. Absolutely. They were trying to explain it to all the people that really right just don't get it. And so, if right there was that. ever if there was ever any evidence, and I gotta say, I gotta give let me, as someone who's been a, a real critic of Fox News in the past, I gotta say that I thought Fox News handled this debate professionally. I thought they asked some tough questions, especially that first round where they went around and they asked an opening question to each of the ten candidates that really brought out a weakness in the candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fox News showed that they were, as well as I thought they did, they showed that they were essentially a stooge or a puppet of the RNC by saying the RNC can't go and attack Donald Trump straight up because so many registered Republicans are for him, but Fox News sure can. As a journalistic, let me air quotes, a journalistic institution, we can attack him and go after him with some of these tough questions. And I think Fox News did some of the dirty work that the RNC really can't do. I'm glad you mentioned Stooge because I thought Mo, Larry, and Curly did a great job com- in doing their commentary. That, that's their names, right? Yeah. Um, uh, one of them's a Mrs. Yeah. Mo, Larry, or Mrs. Curly. Mrs. Curly. Whichever one you wanted to be. Those, yeah. char- those characters, I mean, if you if you mi- if you you got the, fir- the five if minutes you, before nine o'clock. If you thought those three were bad, you should have seen the JV moderta- moderators they had at it's the so five bad. o'clock. So it bad. was, it, like, they reached into a high school and they were like, can you two moderate this debate that we have in Cleveland right now? Uh, because everyone else is busy. As we were sitting there waiting for it to start, 
Brett Bear was talking about how awkward it was, and we were watching how awkward it was as well. So he was identifying exactly what we were looking at. We both spoke about that. Very embarrassing to watch. Eight fifty to nine o'clock time range, where Bill O'Reilly's show was technically up. That was very awkward. And then at nine o'clock, when they were like, "Oh, the audience is tuning in," they got really serious. But that was. It was almost like from eight fifty to nine o'clock. You were listening in on a group of three people. It was like, amateur. Yeah, we were not hour. ready for this. Let's like let because they they even asked like two or three times. Okay, everybody come out, and then nobody came out. They're like, oh, uh, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, you know. So that happened. I know Scott, you had uh, you had two questions that you wanted to you wanted to to bring up. Well, I, I think the real question was, you know, let's be honest. We're a bunch of left leaning people here. Was there anybody that stood out to you that you thought, after watching this debate, I'm going to listen to him or her? If maybe they get the if they get the nomination from the Republican Party, you're at least going to take two minutes and listen to what they have to say. But no, no, no. Well, I mean, I think Scott Walker has not done the worst job that anyone's ever done in Wisconsin. I'll put that out there right now. He's not the worst person in the world. Where are you from? I'm, I will admit I'm from Wisconsin. Okay, so? Yeah. Unfortunately, in his bid to win the Republican nomination, he's gone that way very hard. And so recently, he's gone with the, uh, the non-tenure relationship with the Wisconsin University system, of which I was a part of. And so... Being that I, I went through my bachelor degree at the University of Wisconsin system. You're a little biased. I'm I'm a little biased. We'll say more than a little. But I feel like he uh, he really went uh, very much too far with the University of Wisconsin system. Yeah. Being that a lot of the other respectable universities in the country. They they are currently sticking with their systems of having uh, tenured professors, even though they may cost them some dollars when it comes to the university systems. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Wisconsin is not in the best state as far as finances go, but when you have a governor that's running for the potential Republican system nomination as well... He needs to make himself seem as good as possible, mm-hmm. and I feel like that has a very large part to do with it, because granted, the tenure system in Wisconsin has gone a very long time as being a part of the system, and that's a reason why they've attracted so many highly touted scholars in the entire country. Go badges. Can I ask a question, though? Is there Please. evidence that the, the tenured professors are actually not a beneficial part of the system, of the educational system? Have there been instances where they've been... Can I cut in real quick? Yeah, go right I think it's a valid question. I think what Scott Walker is going to be able to get away with in Wisconsin is the fact that a lot of the things he's instituting, where they're going against unions, where they're going against tenure, where they're changing uh, the healthcare within the state, are things that you can do short-term that is going to save the state money. You get tenure professors out of there, all of a sudden the University of Wisconsin system is paying less. You go against unions, all of a sudden the, the, the amount of money that employees, like the businesses, then have more finances, so they're getting paid less. So it's all about money, but who's, it, it's who's, all replacing, about these tenure, who's the, replacing these people? The th- that's going to be the thing, is like very quickly, while he's still governor, it's not going to be in effect. But 
five, six, seven years, and as someone who also went to a tier one research school, a Big Ten school like Wisconsin is, I went to Penn State, the things that these schools rely on is having professors that are not only tenured, but at the top of their, their whatever they're researching. And so after a while, what you're gonna see is Wisconsin all of a sudden is gonna be producing less papers. Their professors are gonna be less influential. And then you're gonna have less government money coming in because the government's gonna say, we need to do a project on who can do uh, research on a naval submarine mission. And I can tell you that's something Penn State prided itself in is how much the United States government would give grants so that Penn State professors can do things for government workers, contract workers in the military. Wisconsin, and this is something that also the Big Ten prided itself in, is that all of it, and now what are we up to, like 14 schools in the Big Ten? That all the schools in the Big Ten were heavy hitters in government contract research. Wisconsin's going to fall to the end of that. That's a lot of money. You're talking about millions of dollars per year that the government would put into an institution. You're not going to see the effect of that in Wisconsin for probably 10 years. Scott Walker's going to be gone, and he's not, he's not going to have to deal with this issue, and I think that's the big thing is citizens of Wisconsin are saying like you gotta you gotta think about this same thing with teacher pay and everything when he went after the unions you're not gonna see that the, the effect of this in Scott Walker's tenure you're gonna see it later when all of a sudden test scores in Wisconsin go down and then kids in Wisconsin especially in the Midwest and I don't live in the Midwest I mean you do but the the sense that that I get from people in the Midwest it's easy you live in Wisconsin I'm gonna go to Minnesota you live in Wisconsin, I'm going to go to a school in Chicago. You know, you live in Wisconsin, I'm going to go to a school in Michigan. You know, yeah. so unlike some places <laughs> in, you know, other areas of the nation where it's easier to stay in state, the, the Midwest, and one of the reasons people pride America in the Midwest, you can go in these five or six states that are, quote unquote, the Midwest, and you're going to get the same culture. It's not going to be a shock to be born and raised in Wisconsin and go to Minnesota, be born and raised in Wisconsin, go to Michigan, you know, and so that's, I think that's the big There's problem. one thing that will keep people in Wisconsin. Cheese. Yes. And exactly. Well, <laughs> how do you build that? The Green Bay Packers. To the punchline. Right. <laughs> no, but to echo that exactly, when I went to University of Wisconsin, a lot of my, uh, my, Peers, my students that I was with there, they went on to get their graduate degrees, masters or or beyond, and they were very proud of being from the Big Ten, and they were proud of it because of the system that we had set up. And now that Scott Walker is getting rid of the tenure system, most of the professors are looking elsewhere. And I've seen this in you know text messages and Facebook posts and whatever else beyond, but they just. They're, they're not proud of the system that we're setting up, and they know that it's going to fall downhill from there. So I would say this is a very long answer. Uh, well, he started with a no. I would not vote for any of these people. Yep. So I want to go back to that. So in summary, was there anybody after tonight's debate that you're going to consider voting for? Say Hillary or Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or whoever comes out of the Democratic ticket. Is there anybody on the Republican side that you're even going to consider voting for? You're going to take the time to listen to. That is my question. My honest answer is that this. <laughs> <laughs> My honest answer is that I just got ring the bell at the buzzer, if you will, according to Fox. I don't know what a buzzer is to Fox, but um, yeah, no. It, to be honest, it's August, and this what the elections in September. So let's be but honest. Next year. 
they're wait the wait wait let's be let, 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 let's, let's step let's back. sound like we have some education let's step back. the election is in the first tuesday following a monday november november 2016 yeah, yeah. 2016 right. so when is the primary it depends or, on your state but it's not going to be until 2016 correct so for example iowa new hampshire which are the first primaries they're going to be in february of 2016. So where are we recording it? Uh, we're recording right now, currently, the night of the first debate, which is August yeah. 6, 2015. Mm-hmm. So we have a solid five or six months for any of these 17 people to go have an affair and let it leak out <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, or have Twitter, yeah. yeah. Right. Go around. So by election, I meant for the first primary in Wisconsin or Iowa. So or, go back to the, the original Fox question. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. All right. The original question. Following tonight's debate. Is there anybody that you are going to take the time to listen to? <laughs> so I should ignore to. timelines and say after tonight, if the, if the election was tomorrow, is that that actual question? Same. Yeah, go ahead. That's the actual question. Yep. So if the uh, if the election was tomorrow for the Republican or for the for the general election, can I ask the question? Go ahead. Can I define a little bit more? Can we sure. define the question? If yes. the election if the election was tomorrow morning, is there a Republican? That would give you pause against voting for a Democrat following this debate, because I have one. Actually, following this we know what your hard on looks like. We, we I have a couple. Yes. I'll be honest, and it depends who and the Democrat is. I mean, hopefully, you have a couple. I mean, yeah. you have two kids, so it's <laughs> all right. If there was a Republican candidate, it'd be Kasich for sure. You're right. He uh, made a lot Abe. of good points. Yep. He was very much middle of the road, is the answer. He made a lot of good points on how he followed a lot of policies of previous Democrats, yet he stayed on the Democratic side of a lot of them as far as were engaged in a war, quote-unquote war, and from there on out, we need to finish that off. We can't just abandon it entirely. So... He made a lot of good points as far as that goes. So Which, Kasich. Kasich is your Kasich. answer? Kasich is my answer. Abe. Abe. Abraham. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, can you p- repeat the question, please? Oh, Who had the tallest hat? <laughs> well, my untruthful answer would actually be... Untruthful answer. Wait, would, be, would be Scott Walker, because I, too, can relate to the publicly challenged, which is the reason why <laughs> everyone hates him so much. Not all truthfulness, I actually would not... Uh, based on what I saw tonight, and I did, I did not see the earlier session. Unfortunately, um, I was living my life the way I wanted to live it, so mm-hmm. I missed it. But uh, I would say no, I would not vote for any of the characters that were actually on the nine o'clock debate tonight. Um, Simple enough. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody that I would give pause to and listen to what they're saying? And I would say John Kasich. Mm-hmm. And I would also say, having listened to the earlier debate, I'm interested in listening to Carly Fiorina. She ran Hewlett Packard into the fucking ground. And, and, Donald, Trump, and Donald Trump ran five businesses into bankruptcy. And he's $10 billion? There's, there's, there, no, I, I, I don't think it's fair well, to she say ran HP into the ground, but she, did she actually inherit in a good Correct. condition Which in the first I think place. it's very unfair that's in, in the business of how CEOs nice. work and get hired to say that Carly Fiorina ran Hewlett Packard when Hewlett Packard had to make a lot of layoffs, that that is completely on her as a business person or a leader. I would say that I'm interested to see what she has to say if given a chance to go through the entire primary. 
Well, Fioroni, she... Fiorina. Fiorina? Yeah. Whatever. Fioroni is like some Italian guy you're hanging out with on the city block. Yeah, yeah spaghetti stromboli. I'm just going to call her Carly from the block. Carly from the block, um, she basically, she doesn't have any campaign strategy. Her that, That's actually substantial to debate amongst her own peers. She All she does is target Hillary. Which don't she's, you think she's refused. Smart, no, it's 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 a cop out. She's because refused. She's saying, she's saying I am also a female that can directly attack the female we're going to run against. But she's making the assumption that she oh. rises above oh. the rest of her of her peers. Isn't that smart though? When you're no, dating well, obviously not. Better than uh, everyone? Obviously not because she's not even in the the primary debate tonight. I bet you she will be in the next one. I'm not so sure about that. I'll, I'll bet. If she can't change her tactics, and I don't think she's going to be advancing at all. I'll put some solid money that she's going to be in the top ten. I'll put I'll day. put a dollar down. Okay, that's a solid dollar, dollar bet. Here at the Line Eyes Podcast, we have a dollar that Carly Pyrolina. <laughs> Former CEO of Hewlett Packard will be on the next. Drove into bankruptcy. Top 10 debate. Did you have another question? Not only did she drive it into bankruptcy, one second. She also drove her company from country to country, to third world country to third world country, in order to save money and maximize maximize profits. Which is the job of a CEO. NAFTA. You know, so if we want to if we want to make some reform on what CEOs do or what they're responsible for, how we hold CEOs accountable. You know, I think it's unfair that we hold her to a different standard that we would any other. She CEO she outsourced company. to Puerto Rico, and then that wasn't making enough money, so she right. outsourced to the Dominican Republic, right. which we would celebrate any other CEO for doing. If it because worked. CEOs are responsible, CEOs are responsible to their stockholders, and as long as the stockholders are making money and the CEOs are making decisions to make that money, then they're doing a fine job. Make my, my real problem with her is I can't print a page for my printer in black and white because my cyan <laughs> cartridge ran out. After printing twenty all black and white pages, I have to refill a color cartridge again. Now we're getting now we're getting to it. So that was a good conversation on who, if anybody, we would think about voting for. The next real quick question that the I think the only question left. John, I'm looking at an initial you know, feedback of this debate. Was there one candidate that you looked at and said, this is the person that's going to fall out of the top 10? Really quickly. Ben Carson. Okay, really quickly. Kissick. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> nope, that's, I mean, that's a bet. He's over, he's the 10th guy right now. Yes. He, he barely made it over uh, Rick Perry. Barely. He did a great job compared to everybody else. <laughs> Mike Chunkaby. Mike, yep. <laughs> Which, if you would have looked at, if, you, if you're on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, you be that is not safe for work. It's, it's a, <laughs> that is a that is a uh, what do you call that? A satire account. Yeah. Mix really quickly, really quickly. Carson, you say Carson's you. Carson's can gonna I, fall can out. I, I'm going to follow this because I know you can cut it. So I think <laughs> I ben, can't even answer my own. That's, that's not an okay. You're hosting. You're not allowed to talk. Uh, <laughs> I just think Ben Carson did horrible on his first comment of the night. He looked like an uncomfortable... He looked like uh, Richard Nixon up there. Yeah. Let me give you some backstory on Ben Carson and why yeah. I don't think he's going to fall out. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson has raised $8.5 million, and on the, first, really? on the first report that he had to give to the uh, FCC, he had spent $5.8 million on two things, hotels and travel. So Ben Carson, to me, what he's really doing is he's tapped into a Donald Trump-like message. Um, I'm not... Washington, D.C., I'm not political, um, I'm going to go against the grain, 
and people who's read his books and they're like, oh, here's an African-American male who's a Republican and who shares ideals that me that proves that African-Americans have the same ideals that I do and love the Confederate flag, blah, 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 blah. Like, he's really tapped into that. I don't think he said anything that's going to drop him off the top ten. I think I, I, you look at his base, his base is happy. I think he, his goal is not to be president. His goal is to sell Mo Brooks. His goal is to make money going on speeches in yeah. the next four to eight years. You look at his spending, uh, like what he's spending money on. Any candidate who's serious is hoarding their money. They're staying at like budget eights. They're staying at flea, you know, wrote hotels. They're traveling coach. They're going by cars. He's having his crew going on first class. They're staying at five star hotels. Baller, right? So I don't. I think he's fine. I think he's he's tapped into a group of people that's going to carry him on until the primaries. I would say that I think the person that falls out tonight, unfortunately, will probably be John Kasich. Because I don't get that at all. He, here's why: is because you're a registered Democrat, yeah. and he's pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a group of Republicans that heard him say that, and that they heard what Carly Fiorino had to say, they heard what Rick Perry had to say, and there's going to be a little switcheroo where Rick Perry and Carly Fiorino move up, and then John Kasich moves down because of that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I do think he he has a chance at a general. I'm not sure he has that same chance at a Republican. Nomination, so that's my opinion. Valid um, points, but you also wanted to add on to that. Yeah, I just think it's they're valid points, but Mike Chunkaby. Yeah, Mike Chunkaby. <laughs> I just think it, uh, if that happens, chunk, I chunk. I consider myself a pretty centrist person, and if that were to happen, that you consider yourself very centrist. Can I ask? And you don't have to show. I'm this. not very centrist. This anyway. is this is personal. Yep. I think we're the same age. Could, were you 18 for W versus Gore? Correct. Who'd you vote for? Do you really want to know that? Yeah. I would prefer Bush. Bush versus... Kerry. Uh, Kerry. Thank I, you. I did not... Yeah, and we've talked about this Who in the past. Who would you vote for? I did not vote in 2004. And you, it's one of the biggest regrets I have. You were able to work in a campaign in 2008. Who would you work for? I worked for Barack Obama. I knocked on doors. Who would you Barack vote Obama. for in 2012? Barack Obama. Okay, so I would say that you're probably not a centrist. I have very strong opinions on very few topics. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's true. No, it's true. It's true. That's, that's fair. Uh, healthcare is like the biggest thing that I'm about. And, and I'm so, very, very much for a single-payer healthcare. And that's, so there's the initial kind of reaction from this table of more and more progressives as we keep going further and further on. The big elephant in the room, to use the pun, because it's a Republican debate, hey, was uh, Donald the hairpiece Trump. Great hair. Um, <laughs> the two things is, um, yeah. why, why do you think, very quickly, before we even talk about this debate, why do you think Donald Trump is surging in the polls? And we don't have to go around the table, we can just... If anybody has the apprentice, he speaks his mind. No, I mean that, he that speaks may be his mind. He was on he, television. He has television experience. He speaks his mind because he's an asshole, and America's full of assholes, and that's, that's why enough. people identify with it. Uh, right? I don't even know how to move on from that. <laughs> I mean, do you want to stick with the Donald mind. Trump debate? Do you want to keep, yeah. continue to talk about Donald Trump and why people, why he's leading the polls right I, now? I, I would. I think Donald Trump's an asshole, and American are full of. The people who are angry, they're people who are assholes, and they really tap into that. This guy sounds like me when I'm bitching at my wife over dinner on why Barack Obama's the well, Antichrist. I think that's. You know? I think that is. That's a bad way to look at it because I think that's very. That's stereotyping, the right, and I think. It's all of it's, us working. It's a blessing and a curse because he's trying to get all those people, and also he's alienating all those people. Yeah. 
he's saying that he's not a, a politician. At the same time, all the politicians hate him. I'm going to... I'm gonna, it's pros I, and cons. Well, I'm going to say, say I don't think it's stereotyping because I want to remind everyone at this table, everyone who's listening, that Donald Trump is the guy that for the first four years of Barack Obama's administration kept saying... Barack Obama hasn't shown his long-form birth certificate. Yeah, it, he yeah, was born it, yeah. in Kenya. Yep. He's not even an American. Are we supposed which to is the same, bring that up? Which is the same bullshit that the stereotypical guy I'm referring to that's sitting at his kitchen table and is like, Barack Obama's the Antichrist and I hate him. Insert N-word here. He's a that's the anger. That's the anger that Donald Trump's kind of tapping into. <laughs> and I and I you know the asshole is an asshole is an but, asshole. But but I think he I think he has the capability to also reach towards the center and maybe a little bit to the left because he does speak his mind and he doesn't have a PC filter. And what, what what that means is that he's he's catering to the people that are interested in entertainment and he that's that's, that's his business and people and he has for the most part are yeah. are just completely fed up with listening to political rhetoric and that's all you hear. And so you don't hear anything original. So it's kind of it's a breath of fresh air to hear someone correct, talk about. Yeah entertaining things whether they agree with them or not just fun to hear fun to listen to do you think that he can sustain that kind of popularity moving on based on he's tapping into the asshole population he's popping he's uh the entertainment population you know can he can he take this into the general i think he can take a little bit i think he can but i don't know if the people i don't know if the people are going to continue to listen to it or not I think, to your point earlier, I think he's alienating the RNC and the sort of, you know, traditional Republican Party, but the actual voters will continue to identify with his personality and attitude. Well, I think we'll pause Trump now because I think this is going to be a big wild card. Later on in the podcast, we're going to talk about... Uh, potential Democratic nominees, and I think that plays a, uh, or not. No, that's he's going to be a complete non-wild card. He's going to say something stupid and alienate himself. You think he's, and he's gonna? He's gonna say something stupid. He's going to do exactly what they thought he was going to do, where it's going to be all right. I'll take half the Republican nominees. The other half will hate me and vote for an independent. And it's all going to go to hell from there. So he's going to get 25% of the Republican vote. I think he's beyond that censorship, though. Fox News admitted that he could derail the entire Republican nominee. And I think they picked it right there. That was their opening question. Mm. Their opening question. Yeah. I mean, the polls, Fox News knows that. The polls have shown that. There was an interesting poll in Scott and I were talking about this. Where they went into a lot of detail looking at the a lot more math than I understand, and I I got a C in statistics when I was in college, but it essentially boiled down to this: if Me too. if Bernie Sanders and or Hillary Clinton, you insert either of them, were running as a Democratic nominee, and then you take the highest polling Republican that would poll in a general, which is Jeb Bush, when you when you open it up to the general, it's not Trump anymore, it's Jeb that. If there's no third party, Hillary still is winning by two or three, which is just above the margin of error. Then you insert Donald Trump. And at the time they did the poll, Donald Trump was polling at 15%. And then they said, look, let's go all the way into the future in 2016. We'll lower what you think he's going to get. Let's just say he gets 5% of the vote. 
he destroys the Republican Party. There's like statistically no way. And then they even said, like, let's have some fun with it. We'll take Hillary Clinton, we'll throw in Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders wins the general election if Donald Trump exactly. is a third party nominee exactly. against the Republican. Like that's how damaging yeah. he is if he runs as a third party. So I think that's important. I think Bernie Sanders would win that hands down. Especially if, if, if Trump if is Donald, in it, regardless of where he is, if Bernie Sanders wins. There. Yeah. Um, no. So I think the, the next thing to unfortunate, look at, but true. I would I would say looking at the debate that there were two issues that were largely ignored. One of them was spoken of, excuse me, but there was no real solutions. The issue that I thought was largely ignored was the economy. Mm-hmm. And the sense that if you look around the country with unemployment, with the stagnation of pay, with the disparity between men and women, even if you believe in that mm-hmm. or don't believe in that, it's mm-hmm. an issue that... That's a podcast on itself, right? Right, that it's it's driven people. You look at the disparity between the 1% and the 99%. It's nice to be on the 1%. I don't think that issue was touched at at all. And then the other was immigration. And even though they did, you know, Donald Trump was like, I'll hold the wall, I'll do this. They never really touched upon the issue of what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to solve this problem? Are you going to build the wall or not? And then they, they just glossed over it. The things I thought they talked about was Iran, and I would say... There was also no solutions to that. They talked about Obamacare. There was no replacement once mm. you repeal it. They talked about education. There was no explanation of what you do after you take down the Common Core. They talked about very personal questions, which, again, I plotted Fox News. They attacked each of the 10 nominees for one of their weakness. And the last thing, um, actually, that was it. So my question is, of these issues... Um, what do you think is going to help the Republicans going into the general? And what do you think is going to really hurt them um, going into the general election? And is there any one issue that they better have a plan by the time they face the Democratic nominee? And this is, we don't have to... They did a very good job of all riding the line. I mean, Playing they, it safe for the first it's, one? Yeah, it's too early right yeah. now to, to deviate They're, too far None of the them... Center. Exactly. Abe, none of them are gonna. <laughs> none of them are gonna toe yeah, that right. line too far to the side or the left, right? Whatever. Nobody's gonna go that far in either direction because you need to get as many voters as you can. I mean, your question depresses me in the first place because why? Because he's got a big. No hat. candidate ever actually runs. I mean, even if they run on a particular principle, they never actually live up to that and once they get that is so true. once they get office. And so and there there are certain things that that Obama ran on that he hasn't yet lived up to as well. Most things. Uh autonomy. A lot of the uh, things. Yeah, but that's one of the things that basically everyone's going to be running on eventually. Everyone's going to want to ultimately close it. So um, but as far as the Republicans, and, eight years to do it, you as know, far as the Republicans and what they stand for, they, they stand for old school tactics. There's one of the ones that you mentioned earlier that's probably um, a podcast in itself, like you said earlier. But it's in regards to if you if you repeal Obamacare, what do you replace it with? Well, yeah, right. You know, the Republican par- Party is synonymous with with Christianity, and it's one of the things that a Christian brother should want for their brother is to is to, is to help wow. the poor, is to have health care for them. Uh, the, the conflict between, you know, help thy brother and not want to provide health care for their, their fellow neighbors is, is a complete Bad contradiction uh, to, to what the, their morals should be standing for. So 
it's one of those things that you hear time and time again, but it never pans out, and they will not replace it with anything. They'll continue to have people that require health care and are unable to uh, uh, basically live a uh, live a life in which they don't have to worry about that. So, the kind of message of all the candidates to just day one, I'm going to repeal Obamacare. I think that stands to hurt them because I think there's a lot of Republican voters who have benefited from Obamacare that are going to be scared by that and say, hey, I got insurance because of Obamacare, and now these candidates want to take that away from me. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the, the party as a whole stands for repealing Obamacare, but I think that could hurt them with a lot of lower income voters who have benefited from Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Absolutely. most of us, you know, you know, all of us in here, we, uh, Thank you, Nick Foley. Think, we think we're, we think we're healthcare stable. I mean, but honestly, one of us gets a chronic illness. I mean, we are all one step away from being bankrupt over a, a, a healthcare issue. This is, this is the one thing that really frustrates me about some of the Republic, Republican issues is one their their standard is the federal government shouldn't interfere with states' rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, states have a lot Unless, of play. But that's that's the Republican standard. And then it's gotten haywire in the last few years, but that's a Republican issue. It's it, it and I think the other thing that really bothers me is you, if you just look at something like gay rights, sure. that you look at historically Republicans, like I'm against it, I'm against it, I'm against it, and then you find Republicans who are for it, and it's always the Republicans like, oh shit, my son is gay. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, f- like fuck, I'm, I'm a real asshole, and my son's a good person, and my daughter's he deserves you know, to be able to get married. But most of all, it's not even get married. It's the fact that my son deserves to have a partner, and that if my son dies, all his shit's going to go to his partner, who yeah. loves him and has been with him for 20 years. And- but what, that's one of the biggest problems, that people actually do, they, they feel comfortable to choose sides and to believe certain things until it comes time to actually change that belief. Right. And, and, and it's that, that's one of the biggest flaws with the way we operate as a society is because um, no, no one has that intelligence and that, that capability to understand one way or the other, whether it's right or wrong. If, if, it's, if it's almost completely right, they should still never, ever stick to it so closely to where they can't be open-minded enough to, to take extra or additional input to make that or to improve upon that belief. Right, which and and to go on that, I I tweeted this when I was live tweeting. I, I remember in the nineties, you know, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is a politician. I don't care what you think about him. You can hate him. You cannot hate him. Bill Clinton was very in tune with polling. He was almost a borderline genius when it came to knowing at the macro level, like or excuse me, at the micro level, like counties, what opinions they had on certain things he was doing. And he would shift his opinion during his eight years as presidency to make sure he stayed on top of that. He was doing, you know, he shifted his opinion on gays in the military. He shifted his opinion on the economy. Like, he shifted from 92 to 2000. But universally or, or locally, when he did his speeches around the country, was it a universal like, shift? It was like all of a sudden, like, you know, he organically would grow. Yeah. And I remember Republicans used to burn him on that, and they would call him the poll president. That, you know, they would claim that Bill Clinton would just look at polls and then say, this is what I believe. And then Scott Walker, I, I vividly remember in the debate, he said, you know, they asked him, they said, you know, two years ago, three years ago, 
you were, um, it wasn't that he was pro-choice, but he, he had like partial uh, abortions or like if you were raped or that kind of instant, mm-hmm. and then he switched on it. And his answer was, well, I, I think you have to allow an organic growth as a politician and look at the polls. And I said, wait a minute, about 20 years ago, you would have fried a Democrat mm-hmm. for doing that. And now as a Republican, you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. let me flip-flop on this issue. And, well, that's quick. why people are afraid to flip-flop is because you're going to be fried. Right. So, I mean... So why take that risk? But that's that's the problem is you need to take that risk and people need to evolve together and be able to understand and to improve upon your ideals. Right. And that just doesn't happen. We don't do that. And we're I, not would, say, to I do would say that. we don't do that because nobody has true principles that they actually believe in, that they can take their principle and apply it to every single situation that comes in front of them. I think a, a less if cynical that, interpretation of politicians changing their views on issues is that at the end of the day they are elected to represent the people and so if a majority of the population shifts their view on a particular issue it makes sense for the politician to follow what the electorate wants so they may be doing it in order to get the votes but at the end of the day, their job is to represent the people, and if the people are shifting in a direction, then they should do what the people want. So that was, you know, if somebody elects you, the society elects you, you have to represent their beliefs, not your so personal you're beliefs. You're and you can talk about, like, in my personal life, what would I do? But what am I? What laws am I going to advocate for? I'm going to advocate for the laws that represent my people. And I think somewhere along what, the line, you're the, the last like, 20 years, we've, we've kind of lost track. What motivates... That. Anyone to run for office? It's not. I think that's it's a not good so they can speak that, for the people that they represent. I think that's a good question that hasn't been asked in a long in a long time. And I and I go back. You, you think of somebody like, you know, JFK or Nixon or Eisenhower was a poor choice because he was he was. You're the president. Okay, I'm the. We're okay. Am I answering his question or am I gonna? I don't, I don't remember. Your question was like, you know. Well, I said, what, what motivates what people, motivates people to, to run for? I, I think it's somebody having a, a true vision for an improved America, which Reagan had, even though there wasn't a lot of substance to it. He truly believed that America could be better than it was in the seventies. George H. W. Bush believed that America could be more secure and that could prosper more than it was under Reagan. Bill Clinton ran as a progressive who said America was going too far into a conservative route and could open up and accept more people. But, but based upon that description, it seems like they're not running to represent their constituents. It's running because they're they running because personally they vision, feel like they have something to They have a, to vision, a vision of America. And they're not going to represent the people that they, that they you know, their constituents. But so. I would say like someone who built, like Bill Clinton believed that he truly represented a unspoken progressive movement in America that that didn't have anyone speaking for him. Ronald Reagan believed that he had, you know, the silent majority uh, that that had no one speaking for him. Uh, JFK believed that he had a group in the 60s, you know, that that wanted a progressive forward thinking America. LBJ wanted the New Deal, you know, again, and that a group of people, you know, he was representing them and what they believed for. So I think you look at better presidents, and they have—they were able to answer that question. And I think it's lesser presidents, like you know, why was John Kerry running? And I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest. You know, much like Scott did, I voted for George W. Bush versus John Kerry for the very same reason because I didn't know what John Kerry wanted as president. 
but I sure as hell knew what George Bush wanted as president, and then I voted for I all Democratic that. senators. Because I knew that checks and balances, Congress would balance out George W. Bush's asinine policies, but we all knew what they were. John Kerry couldn't tell me what his vision as president was. So where are we at in the uh, whole uh, rundown? <laughs> nice. um, I think like... now we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, predictions and try to bring this up. Like, right. so uh, for the the last question there, but we're gonna skip. What does the no front runner say about? The you want to talk about leadership? that? I, I think maybe not what it says about the leadership, but what it says about the Republican Party. I, I feel like the Tea Party. I think it shows that the Tea Party has really just torn the Republican Party apart, and that's why there are so many candidates and no clear frontrunner, because the Tea Party just shook everything up, and now Divided. it's sort of a disaster, and they're trying to put the pieces back together, and that's why there's so many candidates, and somebody like Donald Trump manages to be in the lead, because right. the Tea Party just... Came in and basically shit all over. So, everything. which would be a point to the two-party systems broken in America. W. Bush. George uh, Bush. So, looking at George Herbert Walker Bush's resume in 1980, he was the youngest naval aviation pilot uh, in World War II. He was a decorated World War II veteran. He was a congressman from Texas. He was the ambassador to China. He was the head of the CIA. He was the head of the RNC. He powerful man. He was yes. He also um, helped reestablish the Republican Party after Nixon. <clears throat> so here's a man who really represented the Republican Party. Was centrist. He's the guy that said that Reagan economics was voodoo economics. Yeah. And Reagan said to himself, "How am I going to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get all the. I'm going to get these people right of right. You know, because George." Herbert Walker was kind of center to smart. And so he puts all these people under one tent. He wins the election for two years. And then George Herbert Walker Bush, he loses Republicans and enables Ross Perot to come to life in 1992 mm -hmm. because taxes were raised. He had that famous, read my lips, I won't raise taxes. Yep. He gets into office. No and he's new like, taxes. He raised no taxes. new taxes. And then he gets into office and he's like, fuck, the President of the United States has responsibility to the people, like we've talked about. Mm -hmm. I need to raise taxes. Yep. He raises taxes and a lot of these people in the Reagan tent were like, you know, St. Reagan would have never done that. And he gets kicked out and, you know, Bill Clinton comes in. And then you have a series of, in 1996, all of a sudden, um, uh, I don't like remember him being Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole now has to corral that tent yep. from the Reagan era. He Bob can't Dole. do it. No. George I W. Bush comes in, and he has to corral that tent, and somehow he's able to do it with a lot of fear-mongering. You know, remember, this is the guy who John McCain was winning, and George W. Bush wins the election by going to South Carolina and saying John McCain has a black daughter from an affair. Oh, my God. And then John McCain had to say, no, we adopted her, you piece of shit. Like, it wasn't from an affair. But by that point, it was too late mm -hmm. because here again, South Carolina's borderline racist, the state with the Confederate flag, blah, 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 Marlin. jumped to 2015. And so the Republican Party stuck under this, this cycle where they have, to, they have to get this tent together. And then here we are in, in you know, the 2016. So where are we at? What's the question? Uh, Dems. Who are you supporting? Media coverage of Hillary okay. and then uh, Joe Biden. So I would say that the majority of us here 
Is there anybody who's a registered Republican in this group? I am. I'm a registered Republican. Yeah, you fucking... <laughs> yeah, you're the most Republican out of all of us here. I'm yeah. a registered Republican. Because? In the state of Maryland, you can only vote in the Republican, or in the primary of the party you're registered in. Mm-hmm. And so I deemed it more important that I pick a sensible Republican than I pick a uh, Democrat. In the so, primary. I actually thought about doing that, yeah. but I, I'm a registered. I haven't done that, but I thought that might actually be... I'm a registered Republican. You can't and especially vote in living in St. Mary's County... Where it's such a Republican party, I want to have a voice and the ass nut that but, is eventually in the general but, election. But, you know, we have Steny Hoyer, who's a long-term Democrat. Because Steny Hoyer is the beneficiary of gerrymandering because his district peels into Charles, peels into Calvert, and then, like, has this weird bend that gets into Prince Frederick. So Steny Hoyer is like, how many black people can we get to counteract St. Mary's County? And that's legitimately how his district was drawn. Which, yeah. you know, and, and this is, I'll shit on my own state when I need to. The two states, the two worst states for gerrymandering in the United States of America were Florida, North Carolina, and Maryland. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Lion Eyes Podcast. Check out our live tweet of each of the two debates. Email us at lioneyespodcast at gmail.com. Go on Facebook, like our Facebook page, and of course, head to www.freerevolt.blogspot.com for more content and information. Tell your friends right now. Tell your friends to download us on iTunes or find us on the feed at lioneyesblogspot.com. And finally... To everybody at the Washington Post, especially Chris, you know who you are. Hello. Remember, everybody deserves a roof over their head. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, good night. I've traveled this country over, stopped in each and every town. So tired of drifting, I'm drifting around from town to town. I gotta give you props, though. I mean, you, you definitely you have it all in there. It's good. So it's just like he tries. To, he tries to center it so often, and it's just like fucking. No, but the, the, the hardest part is to like is to try to or pretend like you understand what we're fucking trying to say right and then to tie it all into like one like <laughs> cohesive exactly yeah it's like i don't know how the fuck you go about doing that but props to you because uh you. thank you <laughs> the shit that we're fucking spilling out of our mouths is just uh, ridiculous we're gonna edit all this out right? no this is all going in no we're gonna edit that's fine this podcast is gonna be five minutes long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. It's like fucking amateur. <laughs> <laughs>